Hi friends, I'm Felicia. And I'm Diana, and we are the Base Body Babes. And I'm Sebastian, otherwise known as the Australian Strength Coach. Welcome back to Back to Base Podcast. Good morning, girls. I've already good said hello morning. to you. Good morning. Good morning. I haven't said hello to you. Hi, Diana. Hi. How are you? I'm good. Okay, so this is our third episode, and we've got our second guests on. Now, now this is a strength podcast. Now, let's think of something now. If you were to run a, a strength podcast, what would your dream lineup be? Who would you want to have on the show? I know. Some really fucking strong, cool. <laughs> what about like the strongest people? Pe- what about the strongest people in the world? Literally, we go yeah. straight to the top. So like we just go straight to the top. Let's get the order. Last week we had the strongest man in the world. Yeah. So what's the next sequence? Who would you want to get next? Strongest Mate. chick in the world. We probably would have gone strongest chick in the world first. first yeah, I agree. <laughs> if, if it was up to you. Yeah, if it was up to us, for sure we would have gone strongest chick in the world. We have been hinting this. We have been trying to set this up for like two months now, but you know. COVID life. <laughs> so finally, we have the most exciting guest, one of our favorite people in the world, one of the most influential or the most influential I, I'd woman. Say, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pump her for tires. Yeah, I'd let's pump them. Steph- I'd say Steffi Cohen is the most influential woman in the strength world today. Definitely agreed. And um, I'm pretty excited to have her. And actually, it's a powerhouse couple here. We've got uh, Steffi and Hayden. These guys are very similar to us uh, in that they run uh, a fitness business. And I guess I would say um, they're probably up there with the most successful uh, strength businesses in the world. Hayden Bo, Steffi Cohen, thank you guys so much for coming on to our, our podcast. We're very excited to have you guys. Thank you so much for having us on your podcast. Thank it's uh, it's an honor and it's a pleasure. So obviously we know who you are, um, and I'm sure that most of our audience know who you are. But for those who don't, can you guys tell us a little bit about who you guys are? <laughs> um, yeah. So for for those of you who don't know me, um, I am a professional powerlifter. I'm also a physiotherapist and the co-owner of Hybrid Performance Method that I started with Hayden about. Uh, four years ago or so. Um, I'm known for having a really good deadlift, working on having a really good squat and a really good bench, even though no one really cares about bench, <laughs> except for bass. I That's don't true. care about no, that. No, 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 I agree, I agree. I see it too much. <laughs> Yeah. So I think we just kind of missed out a couple of things there. You are a 25-time world record holder. Like, how could you not mention that, please? <laughs> Across three weight classes, too. Across three weight – what What are the weight classes? Let's just talk about how tiny you are. Put that in – paint that, that picture. So I've been, as, I've been as small as 114 pounds, so that's, what, 52 kilos? Yeah. You're and right. as big as 60 – what is it? 60? Uh, 60 kilos because that's what you competed in at Pro Rock. Right. But you were bulking to get there. Yeah. You bulked for that and one. And then your main weight class is 56, right? Well, 123. And yeah. how tall so are you? Five flat. Five, five flat. flat? I got five you. Flat. I thought enough. we were short. Mm. We're five, two. I want to say two, but we're more like five you one. You are I'd say five the one. <laughs> best little pocket rocket of all time. Okay, so we, we've painted the picture of Steffi Cohen. Now let's paint the picture of Aiden. Hey, I'm a washed-up hockey player turned power turned weightlifter turned powerlifter, uh, and also the co-owner of uh, Hybrid Performance Method with with Steffi. So, so you guys, I'm looking at you, and you guys are so young. I'm going to ask you, what are your ages, guys? Twenty-eight. 
We're born in the same year, but I like to say she's older than me. I'm still 27. You know, <laughs> Radle snatcher. Like we, we, we talk a lot about successful people. We speak to a lot of successful people as well. And something that a lot of them have in common is how long they've been doing their craft for. Um, a saying that we hear a lot of is it takes 10 years to become an overnight success. Looking at you, is like you, you guys are too young to have put 10 years into this. So this is what we want to get to the bottom of in, in this interview. How long have you guys been doing what you do? I know that the business has been going for four years. Is that what you said? Yeah, but that's yeah. Not, that's not when you started in the industry. When did you guys start doing what you do, uh, Steffi? I guess we'd best uh, learn when you first started playing sports because you're probably the best known for being a world champion powerlifter. So, so when did you start playing sports? So okay, I started playing soccer when I was about eight, and you know my entire life revolved around becoming a professional soccer player. Um. At age, I think, 13 or 14, I got into a national team in Venezuela and played there for about five years. And then wanted to, you know, move to the U.S. and go to school while also pursuing, continue pursuing the dream of becoming a professional athlete. Uh, For me, that didn't quite happen because I felt like there was just so much going on in my life moving to another country when I was 17 that I just felt like I couldn't couldn't juggle both. So ever since I quit playing soccer, I was kind of in this quest trying to look for what the next thing was for me as far as athletic went, athletic goes, because, I don't know, it was just part of my identity and I was not ready to give that up. Uh, so I tried a bunch of different sports and always stayed uh, involved in, you know, at that time I was in college. So I always was involved in some, some sort of like club sports club, whether that was like the triathlon club or the CrossFit club or the running club, whatever that was just kind of trying to find my place, trying to find my, my group and ultimately trying to find a sport that not only I enjoyed, but I could, that I could get really good at, you know, that I felt like I had the aptitude for. So there was a lot of kind of jumping around and trial and error and experiencing uh, you know, both on the academic side and on the on the sports side to try to f- find my place, right? So um, ultimately, I ended up joining a CrossFit gym, and that was kind of my introduction to weightlifting. How old were you then? And, you know, I was, what was I, I don't know, 20? So that's, yeah, a, that's 20. A, your first exposure to lifting weights? Yeah, that was my first exposure. Um, And, you know, if if it would have been up to me, I would have really quit school and just focused on personal training and and training myself. But, you know, I'm lucky in hindsight, looking back, that my mom kind of pushed for me to to put my education first and not commit, not put all all, all my eggs, all of the eggs in one basket. And, uh, you know, continue prioritizing school because I think one of the misconceptions that we have about really successful people is that they're quote unquote risk takers, you know, that they, uh, you know, that they get out of school or how do you call it? Not get out of school. How do you call it when you you don't want to drop out, drop out? Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. When you drop out, they drop out of school, like Bill Gates, like they give you all of these examples when in reality and specifically talking about Bill Gates, for example, he took a leap of absence actually. So he asked for permission to take a year off school to develop his, his, his uh, business. And so, you know, I think 
that's, that's a really important lesson that I learned, which is, you know, even though you, you know what you want to do, or you kind of have an idea of what you want to become or who you want to become, you still have to also kind of develop in other ways. So anyway, I stayed in school, uh, ended up graduating with an ex, physiology degree or kinesiology degree, ended up going to grad school to get a doctorate in physical therapy. Um, and kind of at the same time, so we're talking about business, like when we got into the industry, um, I feel like for me, I, it was always kind of like in parallel, like my, my academics with my own, um, kind of athletic journey and trying to find a way to insert myself into kind of the fitness hub or the fitness industry. But I never knew, I never knew how to do it. And that's where Hayden came in. Hayden had a little bit more experience. He had a three year, um, head start on building a business in fitness and meeting him and just seeing the way, seeing what he had done and the way that he ran his business and then having him kind of like as a, as a mentor uh, in some way was the perfect thing for me. Cause I had no, I honestly had no idea how to even get started at that point. So you were already competing in powerlifting at this point or there was a, a weightlifting background. Tell yeah. So that. after CrossFit, I, I trained for weightlifting for about four years, pretty seriously. You know, I even tattooed the Olympic rings on my wrist. I was really, really committed. That was a birthday present for me. Yeah. Yeah. Is that right? yeah. yeah. I was really committed to, you know, whatever the outcome was, whether or not I ended up going to the Olympics or not, it was a commitment to excellence and a commitment to the goals that I had just to training every day. And, and doing my best independently of what the outcome was. Yeah, it, it just weightlifting requires a little bit more coordination and, and, and focus. And if it's not there, then, you know, there's nothing that you can do. You're grinding out a snatch. Exactly. So when I started PT school, uh, you know, I had a, an awful schedule. I had to be in school for eight, nine hours a day in order to train the way I needed to train to hopefully go to the Olympics. I had to do two sessions a day, one of which had to be with my coach who had to, like, physically be there and see me so he can give me feedback and, you know, correct me and whatnot. And it was just impossible for me. So I, I got to a point where I was just not enjoying training at all, but not only was I not enjoying, I wasn't making progress and I was just, just beating my, my head against the wall. Not because I wasn't trying, but because I think I was trying too hard, you know, and it was just not in the cards for me at that point in my life. And, and in all aspects too. Like your diet was so dialed in, like you were so strict with what you ate. You wouldn't have a beer. I remember the first time uh, we went to the, I went to the gym with her ever. Uh, a bunch of people from the weightlifting team ordered donuts. Do you remember this? You know, and Steffi was, you know, she wanted to make like a good impression. We just started dating. She didn't want to seem like a real tight ass. So she, <laughs> she, she's like, yeah, sure. I'll have a donut. She takes a bite. And then I catch her, like I look away and I look back and I catch her. She's over in the garbage can spitting. No. <laughs> I'm not a donut yes. fan either. I don't like a donut. Actually, you guys do like donuts. You took us to a donut place. No, I don't. Oh, They're you disgusting. don't? Yeah, okay. Yeah, hey, but, but at, this, at this point, who was your coach? Like, did you have a coach or was it all just within the school? Uh, so I had a coach. His name's Camilo Garcia. He was the coach for the national Cuban team. He moved here and he was, you know, just training a few people over at, out of a gym. So you had guidance from the very beginning. At what point did you start yeah. to take over your own coaching, like in doing your own programming? Um, I don't. I think a couple of years into powerlifting, initially it was Hayden. Um, 
And then I just kind of started gravitating towards what felt right. Mm-hmm. And then I got advice from a few people, including Bess. <laughs> How old were you when you went from weightlifting to powerlifting? I had to have been in my, I don't know. You're 23. 23. Oh, yeah, 23. 23 because that's when we started dating. Exactly. So you but did yeah, weightlifting she, for three like, years, you know, and then you went into powerlifting, and hey, you pushed her for her first powerlifting mate. I, well, even just at the beginning, there was no intention really to to compete in, in powerlifting. It was just like, let's do something that will help you with your strength while you can't really do weightlifting full-time. But then we went into the gym the first time she ever did uh, like a sumo deadlift. You know, and I was showing her this is like the basics of it. And, you know, like I'm I'm not like built for sumo deadlift, so I look garbage when I'm doing it. You know, and then her, the, the first rep she ever does is like perfect. It looks like she's been doing it her whole life. And then uh, we're, I'm like, oh, well, let's go up like something kind of heavy and like see what you can do. And she pulled uh, three plates, which in American numbers is 315. It's 143 kilos. Like her first time ever ever doing sumo deadlift and then we're like oh you definitely need to start competing in this you know <laughs> like you're already better than 99 percent of people out there so at, at this point it was, what, it was what, what level of weightlifting were you at so what was your best clean and jerk and snatch at this point when you when you changed over to powerlifting when i switched what was it i think i had a 90 kilo snatch yeah 90 kilo snatch and a 110 kilo clean and jerk Damn, and you so clean there's, one point. there's a good base level of strength yeah. when you came over to powerlifting. So what are your best lifts with your powerlifting? Now. Now? Okay, so with powerlifting, I have a 230 kilo squat, a 112 kilo bench, and a 247 kilo deadlift. Unbelievable. But your bench, it, I feel like, is so underrepresented because you've also done 110 kilos for a triple. Right. Uh, you've just never kind of like put it together on the platform. And what did you say the single was? 115? One, one twelve and a half. Right. That's so add, add, uh, so take, take two and a half kilos off and you can do three reps of it. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you probably could have done a triple at 112. Yeah. Right. Why? Yeah, yeah, it, it, doesn't, it doesn't always add up like that. We all know that. Um, okay, so... Something else, um, so, okay, these are great numbers with powerlifting. We're going to get to the bottom of that. Um, I want to speak to you guys about your method with your training within your business. So you guys are obviously called the hybrid method. Um, I want you guys to tell us what the hybrid method is. So ultimately, the hybrid method initially began with combining Olympic weightlifting, powerlifting, and functional bodybuilding. That's kind of the core program. Over the last few years, it has evolved Uh, And now we have 17 different programs to choose from. But the essence of the hybrid, quote unquote, hybrid method remains the same across all programs. So the theory here is that we believe that strength should be the backbone of every single strength and conditioning program that you ever do. So the first kind of the first time when we realized this was when we started dissecting and uh, just looking into the way that Olympic weightlifters train. And it's the perfect example in order to understand kind of where, where our head is at with, with the way that we program. So for Olympic weightlifters, the traditional program is you snatch and clean and jerk and pull every day. And they treat the snatch and clean and jerk as strength output movements, when in reality there are skill movements. Once you have the skill down, you're not going to build strength through snatch and clean and jerk. You're going to build sh- strength through deadlifting and squatting. And I, like, and I like to use the example of 
like American football players or, you know, a rugby player or a soccer player where strength is, is something they work on, but the skill is, is something they practice and develop. Right. So it's whether you're a football player or an Olympic weightlifter or a soccer player, baseball player, you need to do these requisite strength movements to have gen- general physical preparedness for a sport. But the actual skill is not where you're gaining that strength. You know, football players aren't getting stronger from running headfirst into each other. They're getting stronger from the stuff they do, the strength moves they do in the gym, and then they practice those things. Exactly. So the, so the issue here becomes one of over-specificity. You know, in, in almost, especially in barbell sports like Olympic weightlifting and even in powerlifting. And it was so obvious, especially to us in America. Yeah, and especially because we had we come from an Olympic weightlifting background, right? And it's what we were talking about the other and day. And both had non-American coaches. coaches. Yeah, it's what we were talking about recently about how you know for four years that I trained Olympic weightlifting, I don't think once I ever maxed out my deadlift or or my squat. Maybe I'm in four years. Seriously, in four years, I think I maxed out my squat twice. That is my my favorite thing you say. The, the training blue balls. <laughs> <laughs> You know, I was being Jesus, Dexter. I was being held back by my coach for four years. Did you want to? You know, and why? I mean, I didn't know that. I I don't know anything about it. I didn't know if I needed to. Did I want to? Yeah, sure. Because I will always want to test myself. But I didn't know if, like, you know, I was just listening to my coach. I'm a good. I'm a good athlete. Um, but yeah. So you know, we had these realization after both being competitive weightlifters and, and kind of studying how other other weightlifters trained and realized that the same concept applies across really any discipline, you know, where the priority should be building a really strong strength base and practicing your skills outside of that. And within that, you know, there's, there's a few other concepts that play an important role, which are general athleticism, becomes a part of it. So I, I call it initially functional bodybuilding, but you know, just ensuring that okay. just ensuring that you're, that you're programming accordingly, not only for your sport, but also for health. So the way that I like to think about it is in the absence of health, there is no strength. You know, you, you can't try to get stronger if you're not, if you're not fueling yourself accordingly, if you're not moving well, if you're not recovering well, if you're not managing fatigue, right? So I think if you focus too much on the goal, you'll lose sight of the big picture. And the big picture is that you need to stay in the game for a long period of time. So this, that, that the, the entire kind of framing of thinking about programming changed from being overly specified and, and, um, really kind of like dialed in with one goal to being able to incorporate incorporate all of the elements that play a role in uh, performance, you know, which is not only your skill, but it's also your strength, your mobility, your ability to recover, your cardiovascular health, etc. Yeah, so that's that's a good word that you just <laughs> mentioned, which I wanted to speak about, was cardiovascular health. So growing up in the strength and conditioning world, um, I've been in the industry for 17 years now and growing up there was a lot of gurus out there that were very much suggesting that a lot of different exercises um, combined in one program makes it very difficult to get good at one thing. But then we look at someone like you who is a world champion in one thing, which is powerlifting, uh, and, and practices so many different disciplines. What is, what is your take on that? Um, before you talk about cardio, I want to ask that next. So it's like, I guess it's the discussion of CrossFit. CrossFit has uh, developed a lot of popularity 
um, over the years and it's getting more and more accepted in the strength world but when it first came out a lot of people considered it like uh, the, the best CrossFit athletes in the world are kind of okay at everything but not really good at one thing and when I look at the, the hybrid method it's, it's very uh, in my opinion just from the outside it it's, takes on many of the principles of CrossFit is to be good at a lot of things um, wh- what is your take on, on that theory that I was brought up on when you practice too many things, it's hard to get good at one, yet you come out here with, with multiple world records. What is your take on that? So if you imagine kind of, you know, let's imagine like a bunch of different bars on, on an X-axis that symbolize different um, characteristics of, of an athlete, right? So you have your mobility, your endurance, your cardiovascular health, your strength, whatever. As a crossfitter, you're trying to even out all of those bars to just, you know, be able to survive any sort of workout that comes your way. You have to be, like, good at all of them, but not great at exactly. any one particular one. Whereas the way that, that I think about training is, obviously, like, you're going to have to, if you want to be a powerlifter, you have to do a lot more strength training than you would if you wanted to be a CrossFit athlete, right? Mm-hmm. It's just, it's a matter of, like, choosing which bar needs to go up, Right. So in my opinion or in our opinion, strength should always be kind of a little bit higher. And then the other variables, you know, vary depending on what exactly your goal is. You know, do you want to be strong and also be able to run a 5K? So, I mean, I guess there's going to be some level of interference there because you're going to have to dial down your strength to pull up your endurance, right, to a certain degree. But there's also uh, a component of periodization, whereas – where, where for powerlifters, you're trying to maximize one of those factors at a particular time in a competition to, sh- to prove your performance. Whereas with crossfitters, you're trying to bring up all of those to the same level and peak all of them mm-hmm. at the same time. Right. So, so, so I, let, you, you speak really well actually about the periodization of all of that stuff. And it kind of leads into what Bass was going to say about cardio too. Tell us yeah. So, you know, when you think about, when you think about periodization, and I think the main concern that a lot of a lot of strength athletes have when it comes to introducing not only other movements or movement variability, but also uh, cardiovascular training or cardio, uh, it's obviously the concern that that one will will diminish the gains in the other or the interference. It's called in scientific terms, and you know the reality is obviously if you're trying to improve your strength and you're doing a peaking block, then you're going to have to, you're going to have to over-specialize. Of course, like I, I will never deny that. But what happens, so say that you do your peaking block for four, four months, right? What happens the other eight months of the year? Like, what are you doing? Yeah, I get it. Like there's, there's some months there, maybe you do more than one competition. So maybe eight months of those, of those 12 are taken with a peaking block, but you you absolutely have to take some time off beating your body with heavy weights and attempt to um, restore a certain level of human back into you. Because let's be real, when you're in your peak strength uh, performance or you know, if you're a power lifter, you're in terrible human shape. 
that's your reality. You know, you can't I can go vouch up a flight that. of I can vouch for that yeah. perfectly. I can't move right now. I was just training for a competition <laughs> and, and right now I'm as heavy as I've ever been, I'm as strong as I've ever been, and I'm I'm as useless as I've ever been. Um, you're right, yeah. like walking, my back gets pumped, I'm puffed out. Oh yeah. You got that you got that nice power lifter's waddle, huh? Uh, everyone everyone's seen it. You guys have paid me out enough about it. But yeah, it's it's worse it's worse than ever currently. And it's not an amazing feeling, but that's the things that we face to be good at one thing, um, forgetting about everything else. So, so let's just take me, for example, with cardiovascular health. Um, you know, my goal is to be as good as possible at, powerlift, at, at powerlifting. And so anything like cardiovascular, a lot of the studies that are generally done on general population never really done at athletes at the highest level, like yourself. Um, so that's why I don't really care about the studies and what I hear so much when I get the opportunity to speak to someone like you who's actually doing it. And, um, you know, you, you, you say that you perform a lot of cardiovascular. You say you do so many different exercises. Let's just say you to get myself to peak, you know, as you said, you might be at four months out of the year, one competition's important and the rest of them, you know, may not be as important. So let's just say you've got someone like myself who wants to peak for one great powerlifting competition. Uh, that's going to happen once in the year, obviously. For the rest of the year, do you think that someone at the highest level can introduce cardio and it not interfere with, with the strength gains and, and building muscle mass? What are your thoughts on that? A, a thousand percent because it's it's a matter of doing the right cardio right not all not every cardio is has the same um effect on your body right it has to do with frequency how many times in the week do you do it how long are your sessions what intensity are you are you performing at what kind of cardio are you doing so there's a lot of variables. It's not, I think when people think about cardio, they only think about running, but there's so many other ways to spike your heart rate and create positive training adaptations uh, at the level of the heart. So, you and, know. And we've seen a lot of great athletes prove that too. Like uh, one that I always love to use as, as an example is Ilya Illin. Mm -hmm. I'm sure you guys are familiar with arguably the greatest weightlifter of all time. No doubt. After every Olympics, he takes off completely from any sort of weightlifting at all, nine months. Wow. And all he does in that time is light running drills and cycling. And like, this is, this is how I think about it. Will introducing cardio and more movement variability make you a better power lifter? The answer is likely no. It's yes and no. No, the answer is no, but it will make you a better... Better, it'll, it'll make you a better athlete, which in turn will make you a better power lifter. Mm -hmm. So hence, if you can control yes, the way that you're, yeah, exactly. There's the yes, but he interrupted me. <laughs> um, so, so yeah, you know, if in the off season you're, um, you can improve your cardio and your muscle endurance. That means that during the season, you'll be able to train harder, train longer and recover faster. Cause that, those are, those are the positive adaptations that come from doing cardio and, and doing higher uh, volume workouts, right? Yep. Um, you'll be, say that you're moving in different directions. So now you're jumping, you know, maybe you're doing some sprinting, maybe you're doing, I don't know, you add in some boxing or whatever. Now you have better proprioception. You have better awareness of the way that your body moves in space. You know, you're you, literally like there's mechanoreceptors, proprioceptors on your joints that can, that can sense speed and tension and, and dimensions and space that can literally help you lift better. So 
it's not a direct correlation. And I think that's where a lot of people get stuck because a lot of people focus so much on the quote unquote carryover or transfer of a, of a particular movement to the movement they're trying to improve that they, they just get stuck there and are unable to see the other ways in which, uh, some other form of training can benefit them. Mm-hmm. So, especially so, when it comes to, go ahead. The, the take-home point here is, I guess, one of the biggest problems that I've faced uh, in my industry with dealing with people is the association with the word cardio to, to running. Um, you know, my right. advice is always, if you like running, you should run because you should really do what you enjoy doing. Um, and if you want to compete in an event like a marathon, then you'd better run. But if you're using running for things like uh, burning fat or because you think it's the best way to develop heart health, then uh, you're not entirely incorrect because it... it does have benefits but it's not necessarily the best way and there's a lot of different exercises you can or forms of cardio that you can perform that will have equal benefit on your heart um, to whatever whatever it is that you think you're trying to achieve with with cardio so what are your favorite ways to train your heart um so favorite's not the same as optimal mm-hmm. so if it if it was up to me just my favorite ways would be just the play sports, yeah. right? Get into play some flag football, play some baseball, soccer, whatever. Um, but I think that, you know, I think the best ways to incorporate cardio when it comes to, especially for, or specifically to strength athletes would be to pick exercises that will benefit you in some sort of way, whether that's for, you know, improving your core strength and stability or improving your single leg stability or improving your unilateral strength, whatever that is. So, you know, I, I usually resort to exercises like lunges or um, sled drags, sled pushes, yoke carries, kettlebell swings, Russian or American, suitcase carries, farmer carries, you know, incorporate some strongmen into it. Uh, you know, exercises that that can clearly benefit you in your strength movements. But the difference here is that you do them at a higher volume at a lower weight and with less rest periods. So that's how you just get your heart rate up. Right. Um, it's a, fi- and that's it's a, it. you it's know, a fine just- line. It's a fine line when we're, you know, trying to develop ourselves. I look at you and, and, you know, just for the purpose of people that are listening, someone like you who has a goal to be the best in the world, uh, what you just said, there is a difference between favorite and optimal. So for someone like you, you could say, uh, you know, this cardio exercise, it might be, you know, you might enjoy it, but what's going to make you better at your sport is this. So you're probably going to choose uh, what is optimal rather than what you prefer. Whereas, you know, when we're coaching general population and the majority of the, the population in the world, um, I guess it's more about compliance. Uh, the best exercise is the one that you'll do. And so it's a, a bit of a take-home message that sometimes when we're looking at uh, some of the highest level athletes, like you're a huge influence and people would look at you and say, that's Steffi's favorite. But, um, you know, I, I'd, I'd say without even, I know I do know you, but I don't think that I had to know you to understand that the exercises that you do are going to be contributing to your performance rather than what you enjoy doing most. Um, so it's definitely, it's something that uh, I encounter a lot with all of our general population audience uh, wondering, you know, it's, it's almost a debate and I hate that it is a debate, but I, I love the idea of uh, performing 
uh, cardio with resistance, which is what you're doing. And that's actually a system that we have in place with all of our programs, actually. So um, we don't actually call it cardio, but from the way that you're describing it, we are definitely training our heart with a lot of our training programs. Not, when, I say, when I say we, I'm not referring to me. <laughs> I, I, am, I am unfit, but, you know, like I love to learn from people and speaking to you guys that, you know, someone who's actually done it uh, gives me a lot of confidence to say, you know what, far away from competition – you know, I can do different exercises and it's going to allow me to achieve my end goal a lot better. Um, but it's, it's, it's great to get your, your point of view on that one. So thanks for that. Um, when, we, when we talk about... That, yeah, let me, can I add something there? For sure. Um, something that I wanted to mention was about how people think about periodization. Mm. You know, we mm. think about periodization as uh, ways to manipulate uh, load, volume, intensity and frequency mm. alone. And again, that is short-sighted because although those are the most important variables or parameters when it comes to uh, creating a training plan with the goal of making someone stronger, mm. it leaves out the longevity aspect of training. Um, and so I think we need to have a conversation or people need to have a conversation, a deeper conversation about things that you need to do in your, you know, in your yearly calendar to improve your health, right? So it's not only about periodizing load frequency and, and intensity. It's also about, okay, when in my competition year, or when my calendar, am I going to be adding things that benefit my health, mm -hmm. right? Like when am I going to add cardio or conditioning? When am I going to add mobility? When, when am I going to add leisure uh, sporting? Like when am I going to add things that I enjoy doing and that I'm not doing to beat my body up, you know? And Look, this is something that I learned the hard way. I learned this. I'm, I'm an all-in kind of person. Mm. And I've been training so hard for the last nine, eight, nine years. You know, so focused on one goal, thinking that I'm invincible. And whenever anyone would tell me, oh, you know, like, it'll eventually, you'll eventually be paying for it. I always thought that it will never happen to me kind of thing, right? And I've, I think I've reached a point where, where all of that, uh, you know, really high intensity training with no breaks finally caught up to me, not in any serious way, but you know how it is. Like you start getting like a few nagging aches and pains that used to go away on their own. Now they're not, you know, or they're lingering. And, you know, I'm at a point where, where I finally understand that the key to, to on unleashing your top, your ultimate level of performance lies in the balance of focusing on your goals and uh, being being nice and caring towards your body. So, you know, that's something that I'm doing right now is putting aside or putting lifting heavy in the passenger seat and just focusing on, on doing things that make me feel good, you know? Like yeah, I mean, I'm powerlifting that the farther you get in the sport, it becomes more and more a game of, how little you can do and still get a positive result, right? Because that's ultimately what leads leads to you being able to recover better and and not getting injured. We had this, conversation you know, and it's like it, it's yeah, yeah. It's it's it, it's tough because like society in general, and then especially within our sport, really glorifies like the grind and yeah. and working hard, and being the hardest worker in the room, and 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 equates that to being successful and sometimes it's like the exact opposite. It's really how well are you able to hold yourself back 
and not push too hard, yeah, you know, it's, in it's, order to make progress. It is something that we were talking about last night. It's, uh, you know, minimum effective dose versus maximum recoverable volume. And, I, and I've always uh, been on the side of minimum effective dose. And by the sounds of it, that's where you guys are coming from as well. And, um, you know, there's, there's so many different trains of thought out there. And then, and then when you compare the two models, I think that a lot of it's, again, misinterpretation. So people think that they're performing the minimum effective dose, but then I look at what they're doing and it's twice the amount of volume to, to what I'm doing, for example. Um, so a, a lot of it does come down to interpretation of, of the terminology. And I think this is where science gets confused. And we look at uh, the industry leaders and the authorities of the industry, like you guys, and uh, you know we imitate what they're doing and then we translate it one way. So minimum effective dose... Um, is definitely uh, you know, my, my point of view with this. With cardiovascular, how would you, uh, you know, include this type of training, cardiovascular training, with a powerlifter, for example, who needs to peak at, at one time of the year? Would you be training your, your cardiovascular health all the way through to the competition? How would you periodize it? How would you periodize yeah, it for no, yourself? Absolutely. Yeah, so... I think anything outside of that four month window is fair game. You know, I, I'm doing pretty much anything that I want, uh, that with, with obviously keeping in mind what my goal is, right? Like I'm not just fucking off and not doing squat bench set. Like I'm, I'm keeping that in mind, but, um, anything that falls outside of those four months is, is fair game. And then it's slowly kind of like, I, I kind of like think about it as a, as a pyramid, you know, where outside of those four months, I'm doing a lot of different things, a lot of different movements. I'm focusing a lot of different, different things. And as the competition comes closer, I start like removing things slowly, removing different movements, removing cardio. You know, if I was doing four, four conditioning sessions a week, then I, it goes to three to two to one, eventually to zero. And same thing for movement variability, right? Like I think, at the beginning of those four months, I'm still doing all sorts of things, farmer carries, suitcase carries, kettlebell swings, whatever it is that, I, that I'm doing. And as it gets closer two months or one month in, I'm only doing squat bench and deadlift. It sounds very That's similar the to, to the approach that I take as well. So uh, it's great mm-hmm. to hear perspective on that. Um, okay, let's talk. So you said that you have um, 17 programs, 17 programs with hybrid. Right. What does the um, hybrid athlete expect getting on one of your programs? So, yeah, we, we are, uh, we like to call ourselves sort of like the one-stop shop for all things fitness. So, uh, and you know, within that we have 17 different programs. We have anything that's outside of our, our area of expertise. We hire a coach to handle that program. So what comes with that is we're sort of also in the middle between having a uh, personalized program and a, a templated program mm-hmm. because when you sign up for a program, you get uh, the standard program that everybody gets, but because you get that interaction with the coach, we have the ability to help adjust programs as needed. If you have questions about literally anything to do with your training, we have coaches to answer that. Um, you know, if you're peaking for a meet, we'll help align a program so that your mock meet falls on the same day as your uh, competition day, uh, all those sort of things. But I think the real value in what we offer beyond the, beyond the program is just the, the community. You know, we have uh, around 10,000 people uh, on, on the hybrid platform and, and that's huge. Within can, that, can you tell us your main clientele? Is it mainly women, men? Uh, mostly men. We're about 70% men, 30% uh, women. A lot of people uh, preparing for competition like powerlifters or general population. 
we have a little bit of everybody, but I think the majority of people that we get are people who um, may or may not compete, but they come from a competitive background of some sort. You know, they've played sports in the past. Um, or, you know, they're they're intermediate just, level lifters. or they're intermediate level. Yeah. Intermediate level lifters who just, who want to be, who want to take their training seriously, who want guidance, um, you know, and want also flexibility in their training. Um, and you know, maybe also want to have the option to try other variations of training, you know, throughout the year, because I, I think especially like a large part of our, our, demographic is CrossFit athletes Mm -hmm. or people who have access to a CrossFit gym because it has all the things they need for training. And sometimes a place like an LA fitness or a good life fitness, like one of those, uh, you know, uh, global gyms, uh, might not have the stuff they need. So is there a, is there a difference between how you train your men and your women? I think that in general, um, you know, women can generally handle more volume and, and than men. And I think that's probably the biggest difference, but, uh, in general, we try to not make a huge distinction between, between the way we train men and women. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that we allow people uh, the ability to self-regulate within the programs, and they sort of find their own way based on that. And with our additional guidance, we're, we're able to direct people based on their individual needs, whether they be uh, male or female. Yeah, as far as you know, physical or physiological capabilities when comparing men to women, like Hayden said, maybe the biggest one is woman's ability to recover faster from higher volume uh, and higher intensity. Just their ability to recover from training is probably a little bit better, but maybe that has to do with the fact that they're handling lower absolute uh, training loads. I don't know. But outside of that, you know, where females are perfectly capable of handling the same the same type of training as guys i think the main thing to take into consideration when training females is exercise selection you know what are the the goals of the person that you're training i think usually girls want to grow bigger legs and bigger butts and don't want their upper bodies to get too big or their torsos to get too thick you know and i think that's where exercise selection comes into play and program selection so we have programs to cater to things like that yeah exactly exactly. that's exactly like us with our training methods Bass could train the way we trained. It does come down to exercise selection. We do focus more on lower body movements, whereas he includes bench press. So yeah, yeah. for sure. I mean, we we try to like originally with our, a lot of our programs. They they came from um, the way that I trained a professional boxer, which mm-hmm. was a male, and he was a, the Australian middleweight champion. And uh, you know, after his preparation for his boxing fight, he finally took his shirt off, got in the ring, uh, and he had veins popping out. His body was amazing. And uh, I didn't realize this because this guy was just cutting weight. He had to get from 80 kilograms to 70 kilograms. And in my opinion, with his T-shirt on, he was just getting skinnier and skinnier. So it's like, all right, whatever. He's a, he's a fit guy. That's what happens. And then when he took his shirt off, like this guy was jacked. And uh, the girls actually saw this. And Dinny came to me and she said, I want to train like that guy. Yeah. And um, that's the interesting thing. So, so the first program that we got uh, Dinny on uh, was a, a male's boxing uh, program leading up to a fight. And the results from that were, were freaking amazing. Like, we, you know, we posted photos of, of, I mean, the girls continually post photos of their physiques on, on social media and all the boys are doing what they do over them. You, you, you guys know how it goes. But then interestingly, um, you know, that, that's the pro- 
program. That's 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 what a, an entire female model of base body baits programming is based on. It's yeah. a male's boxing plan based on a combination of the strength and circuit. Yeah, two, two, day, two days of strength and two days of circuit, which which you know you guys are, are calling cardio. So so we're doing like cardio with weights with resistance training mm-hmm. but then it does come down to um the feedback that we get from a lot of our women is is exactly that from the aesthetic side of it we want bigger butts we want bigger legs we want smaller trunk we want smaller torso uh, and then we have to factor it like that so it does sound like you guys are, are doing a very similar approach to what we're doing so we, we love your approach with that that's Definitely. excellent but then but then we've got someone like you steffi who's going to be competing i'm certain that there's like if you're at the top of the field there's, there's definitely no other athletes like yourself in in uh, the, the, the follows the hybrid method besides yourself, so so mm-hmm. how would you train yourself at the highest level? I think there's always going to be a difference with how we train general population and intermediate lifters to how we train the highest level athletes. Let's compare yourself to to another high level male athlete uh, that, that's got the same goal, which would be to to achieve world records in powerlifting. Would there be a difference in your approach between between training two athletes of different genders? Hmm. at the same level that's a question right so could i train with you in the gym and do the same program as you and achieve the same progression maybe not his current stage but if you look at somebody like uh gerald or gerald teeny teeny and tough oh yeah that's a guy who does tons of other types of stuff you know yeah i think but he's conditioned for it right yeah that's the thing like you're you're not prepared to train how i train yeah. Can I can I train you? Can I get you to a point where you can train how I train? Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. But you know, it would it would have to be uh, in, you know programmed intelligently and kind of ramping take, things up. You have to take a few steps back. The, you yeah, like forward. I can I can tell you one guy who like was staying tiny and tough, G- uh, Gerald. Mm-hmm. He could he could train with me. He's super conditioned. He's been you know doing boxing for the last two years. He does a ton of circuit training, running, whatever. Like acrobatics. I, I, yeah. I, world record holder as well. Right. I think he could train with me. He's, he competed all the way from 148 to 181. I'm not sure where all his records are at. But, he's, but he's then still. again, see, like, yeah, it has to do with preparedness, but also with the amount of weight that you're handling, right? Because this is something that I always talk about. We're, we're all made of the same skin, bones, tendons, ligaments, right? Muscles, e- equally, male and female. But you're handling twice as much as I am in terms of intensity, right? So realistically, will you be able to recover from the same squat session as me in addition to doing all the other crazy stuff that I do? I don't know. Probably not, you know, independently of how fit you are for it. I just think that the the, the beating of the body is way too much when it comes to someone bigger who's handling a larger amount of, of absolute load, you know, someone like Dan Bell, I don't know. It doesn't, I don't think it matters how conditioned he is. I don't think during a peaking phase, I don't think that he could do all the other stuff that I do. I think he needs mm-hmm. to, he really does need to just over specialize, really figure out what the minimum effective dose is for him and do nothing else outside of that during those four week, four months. And we actually account for that in our programs that have a lot of specificity. So if you do follow a program like hybrid powerlifting, mm-hmm. We're not necessarily programming in cardio circuits or metabolic conditioning. Those are things that athletes would use the Facebook group to reach out and ask for guidance on, and we give that to them on an individual basis. Mm-hmm. You know, whereas a program, general fitness program like Hybrid One Hundred and One, 
that would be something where we would include all of those things. I totally agree with yeah. all that, and I and I love everything that you're saying. A lot of the things that I I've got a lot of theories with how I train people, and, and something that I talk about is is load is king, and a lot of people have their interpretations and misinterpretations of that. And basically, the way that I define that is. Um, the exercise that allows you to he- lift the heaviest loads is going to give you the best results also demands the most respect in things like uh, recovery between sets and recovery between sessions and this is regardless of gender so I would say if there's a, a 100 kilo girl that's squatting 300 kilograms with me um, she needs the exact amount of recovery as I do because we're lifting the same loads and that's regardless of the gender so it sounds very much uh, like we are definitely on the same page with that um, can we just talk a little bit about uh, women in strength sports you've obviously achieved multiple world records um it is quite a male dominated sport you know there's no real denying that what do you feel do you still feel that that is the case do you feel like you are making a difference in that world that's a it's an interesting question anytime that i get asked because and i've talked to you about it you know i've always participated for some reason i've always wanted to participate in sports that are male dominated i don't know if it's part of you know me being rebellious or i don't know what how the the way that my brain's wired i always kind of want to go against the grain i think there's no denying it's it comes down to your personality with this there's not many women that i know that have the same drive to to kick another dude's ass for example (laughs) um but but i know that about you so i I think it's really important i I know how many people look up to you and it's it's something that i'm always trying to answer is like um do you do what the best in the world are doing you know what are the what are the consequences so it's great for our audience to hear your your perspective on this but we love your perspective yeah yeah so you know i don't know i just think that the limitations that you perceive are, are literally set by yourself. Not in any single point in my life have I ever felt like being a female was, was a barrier, a barrier of entry for an industry or a barrier of entry for a sport, a barrier of entry for a group of friends. I never felt that way. And I don't know if it stems from just being overly confident or I don't think so. Cause I was never, over, I, was, I wasn't overly confident when I was younger. But I don't know. I just honestly never perceived gender. You're just a shit disturber. Yeah, I just never perceived gender as 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 a barrier or 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 a limiting factor. So when it comes to entering powerlifting, lifting weights, and muscles in the fitness industry, you know, I think that the you know I I I didn't come into it with a big mouth, with a loud mouth. I came into it just waiting for my actions to speak loud right and I remember even when even when I was a soccer player I remember thinking something like I haven't talked to this about 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 this with you but it was something like I just wanted to be recognized or be known for being the best soccer player based on my abilities on the field and I feel like I've taken that approach to every single other aspect in my life, including power lifter. You know, I, I don't need to have a big mouth or a loud mouth in, on, on social media and talk shit and like be aggressive. I'm just going to go on the platform and, and I'm going to do what I do best. And that's how people are going to recognize me and respect me. So, you know, I did that for several years. I showed up and I, and I, and I performed and that's what kind of got me recognition. And then after that, I started speaking, you know, my, my, my thoughts, my beliefs and, and whatnot. So, so I don't know if that answers your question. Yeah, it does. So from the beginning, just to paint a bit of a picture. So were you like, were your training partners men? Were they women? Like, 
always men. You've always been a man's woman. Yeah, always men. And we've spoken about this before. You actually train pretty much only men. Yes, like as, as an actual coach. So when you speak about training some of the biggest and strongest guys in the gym, how did that come about? You know, you've watched some of us bang our head against the wall figuratively and maybe also literally <laughs> for like a long enough period of time where you've just been like, what are you idiots doing? Like, let me help you. Mm. And then everyone's like, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Most of the time they came, they came to me. Okay. Can we talk about your mindset? Yes. I had the pleasure of being at the hybrid showdown. Yeah. You were there. And I got to witness all of this and I got to watch you perform. And literally just before you were about to go break this world record, we went out the back, we're sitting in the office talking shit about nothing. What was going through your mind? Like what goes through your head before you get on the stage? Nothing. <laughs> You're so cool, calm, and collected. It actually blew my mind just watching you before you get you got got up there and broke this world record. Yeah, I think that stems from experience. You know, that the more the more experience you have going on a platform and performing for a sport, the more calm you're able to, or the more the more you have a handle on your nerves. Do you get you nervous? Know? I do, but it's, it's a positive thing for me. I think, you know, I've, I've been in a few meets where I haven't, I haven't felt nervous and that's more worrisome to me. If you're not nervous, you're not alive. Like I don't even feel like I'm there. I'm alive. You know, nerves mean that you care and that you're, you're alive. You're, you're having some sort of feeling, right? So no, you know, I, I am nervous, but at the same time I'm confident. So it's, it's a positive, it's a, a positive nerve kind of thing. That, that approach that uh, Dinny was talking about, that you guys are talking about, you know, most likely things that are unrelated to the sport, is that, is that a tactic to calm your nerves or is that just literally because uh, that's just what's going through your mind and then you know how to switch it on and flick that switch when you need to? Is, is that a tactic? Um, I think that was Denny being a bad influence. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> Mate, I was trying to calm your nerves. I was trying to, to get you to think about other things. But also that was- for that, I mean, you, oh. were, you were cutting so much weight that I think the most intense part of that whole competition was just making weight. Yeah. And then after you made weight, like the records were so far below what you are capable of mm-hmm. that it was like she broke all the records with yeah, her openers. Yeah, tell us the numbers. So you went in at what weight? And, and what did you pull? Right, so I went in at what, 51, I think? Like 51. F- or 50 point, yeah, I think 50.8 or 50. You were under, but yeah, yeah. Just, so yeah. I got, you were like 113 point something pounds right. from American records. Yeah, and I, I broke the world records with the openers. What was the so numbers? I think that play, that the openers, what was it, like 180? No. 184 uh, squat. But you you broke it by more. I think you did like one ninety something. How about the opener? Your opener. You, did, you, you ended up doing a two oh two oh two and a half was your second attempt squat, which broke it by another. T- oh, so the record was was one ninety, and then you broke it at one ninety two and a half on your opener. opener. Your second one, you went up ten kilos. You did two oh two and a half, so right. you pushed the record up way higher, and then you missed your third. But no, I didn't take a third. Oh, okay. You're at 51 kilos. That is teeny, teeny, tiny. I remember putting my, you walked in, I put my hands around your waist and it was like this, like my fingers touched. (laughs) And you know what the the craziest thing that I think most people don't know about that meet is that Steph wasn't really training either. 
No, it's not like she you was even like, go trained it, super, you? super hard. No. Yeah, she was just like, she was like, the records are this. I think that, you know, not like, even if I'm not training, I'll be able to hit at least this. So she, you like dialed it in two weeks out. You like started actually like lifting. I think then, I asked yeah, you I had like a week squat session. I asked you like a week out and you're like, no, nah, I'm not competing. And then literally <laughs> seven days before the comp, you're like, yeah, fuck it, I'm going to do it. And I was like, what? <laughs> yeah, so I, I think that played a role in me not being that nervous. As but nervous. I think yeah. when the stakes, as nervous, I think when the stakes are higher and, and, you know, I have to literally pull a weight out of my ass and I'm a lot more nervous. I think so, you, you might have been one of the, the most nervous I've seen you might have been before pro raw because you went up a weight class. The record was lower than in your regular weight class. So you had all this pressure to like not underperform. Yeah. And I think that was a good test for you because it was like, it, it was the ultimate test of like, you shouldn't fail and all the pressure's on you and you still like. You that was when we it, met so you. Good... Yeah, for sure. Oh, reminiscing. I think, yeah. Do you think that because it was in your gym as well, you felt more comfortable and. Not too. You were like, you're walking around, like, like, I'm a boss-ass bitch. <laughs> <laughs> that was it. Like, literally. Yeah, yeah. Little... It just felt like a max-out session. Yeah, right. That's what so, I. That's how I perceived it. So you've obviously achieved so much in your sport and in business. Can you share with our audience some of your top tips for achieving greatness? Because you are so great. <laughs> um, I would say that... Uh, focusing on creating systems and processes over long periods of time and not overly focusing on one specific goal because that kind of pigeonholes you to that one goal and doesn't allow you to see like all the other opportunities that might come Mm -hmm. your way. So, you know, for me, it's been, I, I didn't, I had no idea what I wanted to do with my life in professionally, athletically. I had no idea. All that I knew was, this like very flimsy goal of one, wanting to be a professional athlete and two, wanting to be a millionaire. Those were my two (laughs) goals. How, how I was going to achieve them or what I was going to do. I had no idea. And the, the only thing that I kind of had full control over was the things that I did daily in my life. So for me, it was a lot of focus on personal development. You know, I didn't even own a TV until I met Hayden. So 100% of my time was spent trying to, develop the skills that I thought I was going to need in the future. Right. And that included culture, you know, travel, reading a ton of books, networking, meeting people, uh, having mentors, you know, all of these different things with, yeah, having that goal kind of like in the distance, but just focusing every day on, on the things that I could do to improve my own self. So if, if there's just one goal that I, or one piece of advice that I could give anyone would be to, stay consistent with the way that you're developing yourself and um, you know, don't be too strict with the goal. Just focus on creating the habits and the systems that you need to become better, a little bit better every day. I know you guys have just launched your mind muscle project. Yeah. So that's, um, that was something that we're offering to all of our current members and also uh, any new members who signed up before uh, May 1st. And basically all that is, we're calling it uh, the three days of mental muscle challenge. And the challenge is that you actually participate in as much of, of what we provide you as possible. And what we're providing to members is um, every day we're sending a new email to everyone's inbox. Uh, and 
it's going to be on a wide variety of topics, all different areas of self-improvement, whether it be fitness or business or just self-development, habit building, all of that good stuff. Uh, and it's a collaborative effort from the whole hybrid team. So there's a lot of bits in there from Steffi. There's some from me. There's some from, uh, Ian Kaplan or some of our nutrition coaches. Um, and we're just trying to provide people, you know, with, with some self-development tools in all different areas in a time where it's very easy to just be complacent Mm -hmm. because, you know, half the, or the majority of the world stuck inside their own houses right now. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, it sounds great what you're doing with that. So just to finish off, do you guys just want to give us a little rundown of what's happening for the future of hybrid Steffi and Hayden? What have you guys got coming up? Yeah. So, I mean, we're super pumped right now about the hybrid fantasy factory. Even last time we talked to you guys, we talked to you a little bit about it, but it's like, it's really, really moving now. We've, we've scrapped some of the old stuff that we were going to do in it. So do you just explain to us what that is again? Yeah. So the fantasy factory. We're pretty much the Google of fitness. (laughs) You understand me? (laughs) Basketball course. The fantasy factory is going to be. Drum kids. We'll we'll get to that. (laughs) So the. Fantasy Factory is sort of going to be a place for all for us and all of our staff to go, uh, a place that they can be excited about to you know create content for us, create content for themselves, uh, hang out, you know, a place for team building, a place for uh, physical recovery, just a, like just an awesome place where you can have all sorts of fun. So is what we're going to have in there? Is- no, it's for their team. Exclusive. No, doors are closed. Hybrid stuff only. Yeah, and it'll, it's also, part of it will also be our uh, our print shop and uh, an apparel uh, warehouse. Podcast, you podcast no, YouTube. well, I'm getting there. Yeah. So what we're going to have, um, if we can give you like a sort of like a virtual walkthrough of it, we're going to have a lounge area where people can hang out, you know, a spot if there's UFC fights on, people can go and watch, do all that cool stuff. Uh, we originally wanted to have a basketball court and uh, pool table, like a little hangout area. But Steffi just went down this rabbit hole of being obsessed with MMA, and she's kind of dragging me along with her. You're so, getting a ring. Uh, yeah, so we're going to put a ring in there um, and some other, you know, fight-type stuff. Uh, we're going to have our offices. We're going to have uh, like a, a, ring a, a cage? Cage. A cage, sorry. So we're going to do one wall that's a cage, uh, one that's a padded wall, and then two that are the ropes. So it's, a, so it's like a square, so a square room? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, we'll have like a little bit, a little bit of everything, so you can practice all the, the different stuff. Very cool. Um, yeah, then, we have our offices. We have sort of like a co-working space for everyone that works for us. So we'll have we have uh, you know there'll be eight different sections set up uh, for our team leads and for you know other people who just want to come work. Um, a kitchen, two bathrooms, sauna, cold plunge, and outdoor. You guys plus the YouTube studio, YouTube studio, podcast studio. Can I just say uh, that your I'm podcast, let's just quickly mention, give give your podcast, Hybrid Unlimited, a little shout out. One of my favorite podcasts of all time. Love <laughs> listening to you guys. And you're smashing out so many. You put us to shame. You're like one every week, maybe even more. Two now. Yes, Two now. so Thank good. You. Hybrid Unlimited. Check it out, guys. It's awesome. Thank you. So Thank I continue. You. <laughs> the YouTube. Um, yeah. yeah, YouTube yeah. studio, podcast studio. Um when, when I'm most excited about the podcast studio. Uh, it was five months, they said, before all the quarantine yeah. stuff. 
we've been sort of, we've been doing all the things that we can. So like ordering the, the furniture and like trying to get all the permits. Uh, it you is know, so sick. I got to see this and it's Steffi's big head painted a big mural on the front of the building. Oh, yeah. It's awesome. Sick. We did the outside. Yeah. So that was pretty cool. Cause it's kind of like a little landmark thing now. I love when people like walk by who don't, you know, who don't even know that, that's what it is and they'll see Steffi's head and we'll get tagged in photos it's and stuff. So cool. so, yeah. well, we we were fun. actually meant to be in Miami right now for World's Strongest Man. It was yes. in go- it was going to be in I think two weeks time. Yeah. And, and my birthday. It's real sad. Aww. It's postponed to the end it's postponed to the end. So of we the won't end. we won't be coming to the end of the I, year. I'm now. not even sure that we're going to be coming to the yeah. World's Strongest Man this time. Our, our, the athlete that we coach for that event's uh, not going to be competing in it unfortunately. But we still definitely I'd say that's our next destination once these uh, quarantine uh, uh, Restrictions have been lifted. Airport rules yeah. are uh, changing, and we're going to be allowed to travel uh, from country to country. I'd say that Florida is going to be first on our list to For come sure. as a family. So, so hopefully your uh, your new location is going to be finished, and we get to hang out. Are we are we invited to your new location? <laughs> We're gonna we're of gonna course. sleep there. We're gonna put a bed in there. Can you have a little bed for us? <laughs> I think we're gonna have a pull-out couch, actually. Yeah, we have. Uh, I mean, I'm. It's just. It's I'm a, probably it's like gonna. I'm, I'm probably gonna, gonna sleep gonna there. Wanna sleep there yeah. yeah, for sure. Jeff, I saw you sleeping on in your couch all the time. <laughs> Wherever, whenever I could find you, you're asleep on the couch in there. <laughs> so much fun! Oh, we can't wait to see it. Where, where can uh, people find you guys if they want to look for you? Uh, you can find me at Steffi Cohen on pretty much every platform. Yeah, I'm at Hayden.bo on uh, Instagram. And then for all things hybrid related, whether you want to find the uh, podcast or apparel, the gym, all that stuff, if you just go to the main hybrid Instagram at hybrid performance method, it's all linked there. You can find everything. And our website is hybridperformancemethod.com. So Love it, check guys. It out. Great having you guys on, and we can't wait to speak to you guys soon. Pleasure. Awesome. Talk to you guys. Take care, guys. Bye. 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 Bye.